three, four, five, six, seven, eight, five, four, three, two, one, eight, eight, seven, eight, eight, seven, six, seven, eight, eight, seven, six, five, six, seven, eight, eight, seven, six, five, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight, seven, six. I'm preparing. <laughs> Please do not interrupt. I have to start again now. One, one, two, one, one, two, three, two, one. <laughs> Sorry for being dramatic. <laughs> we are actors. Indeed, indeed. I, I had a thought earlier. What was your thought? Take a journey with me, John. Sure, please. Okay, so you have. Never take me anywhere anymore. <laughs> you have Barack Hussein Obama. Mm. You have Donald John Trump. Mm. You see what I'm getting at? No, I, no explain it further. <laughs> well, now we've got Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. Indeed. Is it Jr.? So we need to find someone called Robin? We need, um, we need a Robin as okay. our third. We need, okay. We're looking for a third. <laughs> and he's here tonight. It's Robin Williams. <laughs> we, hey. we, we saw you across the bar. And... <laughs> Imagine us approaching Robin Williams in a bar for a threesome. <laughs> Imagine us approaching a stranger that we think is called Robin in a bar for the purpose of joining our podcast. Yeah. That would be the most depressingly us thing that we could ever do. And he just turns around, Good morning, <laughs> Vietnam! So this is the Northern Quarter. <laughs> Ooh, what's that? You're recording a podcast? Ooh. You got a mic and a little laptop and a teeny tiny cup of coffee. <laughs> I didn't know you were bringing your Robin Williams material. I didn't know I had one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, it's me, Robin Williams. Oh, what is that, Aladdin? Whoa, a bit racist there from Robin Williams. Yeah, we've terminated our contract with Robin Williams by mutual consent. <laughs> Bad Did you see all the stuff about the fake biography video that they were going to do? What? Did you not see that? There was a guy who's just like, he's famous on YouTube, famous on YouTube mm -hmm. for doing, um, trying to do viral videos in which he does like strong acted impressions of different people in order to kind of like make it look like it's test footage for a film that's going to be set up. And he did one that was oh, like extremely yeah. good about Robin Williams. Yeah. Like his acting was flawless. Morally, extremely yeah. questionable because inevitably what happened was like a bunch of people took that and assumed it was real or knew it wasn't real, and either way, just all tweeted Zelda Williams. Like, oh, oh no, yeah. oh. oh, we've just added to that now, yeah. haven't we? Yeah. Don't tweet Zelda Williams <laughs> ever. Tell them left at home sent you. <laughs> do not do that. Let's not do that. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, fifty pounds mm -hmm. says that they do a remake of Good Morning Vietnam mm -hmm. in the next five years called Good Morning Afghanistan, and it's got Chris Pratt in it. <laughs> Obsessingly true. Uh, oh mm. no, he'll no, he'll do mm. the like he'll do the Peter Quill type of humor that yeah. isn't his that's written for him and mm. is bad. Oh, that's mm. going to make me very upset. Yeah, we need a quick distraction. Take it away with some <laughs> smooth jazz, John. Uh, you're the truly the Miles Davis of jazz honking. <laughs> Miles Davis jazz honking? <laughs>
silent. Left at home, we're back. The boys are back in town. <laughs> we've been, we've been bad. We've, we've. It's the natural. We followed our posting schedule to a T. It's the natural small handful of episodes and then a, a solid month or so of yeah. <laughs> radio silence and absence. Yeah, it's like an old-fashioned British TV series. Yeah, four episodes, inexplicable absence. And that's, then it comes back with a different cast. Yeah. It was a, a yeah, four-episode pilot. <laughs> Followed by this. <laughs> yeah, our podcast performance graph, which measures our plays over time, just looks like Libya's GDP over the last, like, 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what we were trying to do with this? <laughs> Yeah, this has been been just a really long play at a tribute to Colonel Gaddafi. (laughs) Friend of the podcast. (laughs) Good, good, Uh, good knowledge. um, I'm just worried that this show now is going to qualify as online hate. (laughs) Everything qualifies as online hate. That is true. This is a a pile-on of two. (laughs) A menage a... Menage a... I don't speak French. Do you speak French? Do. Yeah, yeah. We just have to decide who to pile onto. Then it will be a menage a trois. Yeah. That's the... For now, it's just a menage a two of us. Indeed. I, uh, yeah, <clears throat> online hate is a epidemic oh. in this country. And I, for one, think yeah. it should be stopped. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we could say that we've been away, like, kind of working and mm. doing overtime and in a couple of, like, trips at yeah. the end of the, the, the end of that the all happened time. yeah but what we've actually been doing is sharpening up tweets and forcing <laughs> them repeatedly into the, 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 uh, <laughs> into the guts of various public officials yeah. we are guilty we all did that <laughs> I don't know if it's really where to begin with this because it just seems caricaturish that a Tory government could take something that is a tragedy on their own terms, like a true horrific loss of human life, and just immediately pivot it into something that it isn't about at all, hmm. and just be like, ah, yes, a man physically came and stabbed uh, a sitting MP in a, like, constituent's surgery, Yeah, basically. Clearly this is the problem of, like, wokeism and Antifa on Twitter. Mm. <laughs> like, I... the. Way like the how quickly it was decided that like that is the element of the problem that needs to be solved yeah. and the cynicism with which they tried to drive forward with fucking David's law or whatever it was going to be yeah. called this like thing that it was just something that was on the cards as like one of their like Christmas list checkbox yeah exercises clearly well, yeah they I mean like how many issues have there been over the last like year or so where getting rid of online anonymity is the like the is presented immediately as a solution to it. Yeah. Um, it's one of these things as well where, like, it serves only to... They'll... They can try and put something like this forward. I don't think it will ever actually work because fundamentally no, like, Western political body seems to actually understand the internet at any given moment yeah. and doesn't really understand that you can't enforce these sorts of things without a lot of collaboration that historically has been not forthcoming from a bunch of like multinational companies yeah and just the yeah just the notion of like the ways in which it would fundamentally change 
internet infrastructure to have to, across multiple different like social media platforms and things like this, prove your identity in order to set up an account. Like it mm -hmm. would involve a massive change in the like, even just things like the fucking um, business strategies of a bunch of companies that yeah. are not going to be prepared to do that. Yeah. So it's like, it's, yeah, it's just fucking guff. It's all this shit that yeah. like the conservatives constantly come up with, with just wanting to know what everyone is up to at all times. Mm -hmm. You can have the freedom of your home and everything that you do as long as we know what yeah. you're doing at all times. Yeah. I, it comes at a bad time as well because I've been thinking about strategies to promote the podcast and the main one I've come up with is just being incredibly violently rude <laughs> to various public officials on Twitter. And so... Is, well, um, kind of, it's over. It's, well, been, a, it's yeah. been a good run, but <laughs> can we not flame Left at Home Pod as its own like human entity and have it take the rap for whatever it is that yeah. we're? I mean, allegedly I'm, doing. I'm tempted to shift the social media presence of the podcast over to whenever like Trump introduces his new social media platform. Yeah. It's like the last bastion of freedom in, mm -hmm. our, in our crumbling democratic societies. Yeah, uh, I that's... think we should set up a live journal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is live journal still up no we can we can refound it yeah. <laughs> i mean there's no plan for this so i'm just going to log on to build back better. let's let's have a look at livejournal.com yeah there's no there's no plan for this podcast yeah. we're doing a we're just talking a kind of a reset yeah, live journal still up it's a unique place where people share their life stories give advice and exchange ideas that's not what it is that sounds exciting i want to get in on the ground floor yeah. of that do you know what the number one story is uh is it about david amos <laughs> it's Title, Kate Beckinsale subtly reacts to theory on ex-Pete Davidson's allure. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Is it possible that Pete Davidson is just actually a relatively attractive man with a good jawline? Is that... <laughs> is it possible that he's incredibly personable because he's a comedian based in New York and gets on well with people? Is that, like... Is any of that unlikely? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my information is, is, is different. I hear he's got a, a huge... Um, <laughs> Personality. Was was trying, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, apparently that's true though. Really? Apparently, apparently he's hung like anything. <laughs> well, yeah, there you go. Interesting knowledge. Hmm. Good for you, Pete. I is but it's, it's one of these things where it's like he's a normal-looking, attractive person, but like not like. Aryan nation normal and therefore yeah. there's these questions that keep on turning up whenever like he's in or out of relationships with anyone just being like oh what's the what is his draw what are the yeah. things that like but that's he's just the people are freaking out about just a single person yeah that's just what they do they date don't yeah. they and like i mean like if you were to I mean, no, no one's keeping count, but everyone's fucking each other in Hollywood. Yeah. Like, that's kind of the, the point of it. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, I think people are just freaking out because a single person is behaving accordingly. Yeah. And there's no more COVID restrictions to stop that from being the yeah. case. So, yeah. And if you are, like, a, like A-list celebrity in New York and you know him, why yeah. wouldn't you want to go and hang out with a guy who is from, like, the New York area, knows New mm. York, and just clearly knows how to get a lot of good weed like yeah. why would that not yeah. be a draw i don't understand yeah. where the mystery of all of this is yeah. i mean cuomo made it legal didn't he in new york yeah. yeah yeah but yeah pete davidson mm. i wish him we're well. getting ahead of ourselves though Indeed. we've got to cycle back all the way to the beginning of september mm. where this is the last time we recorded an episode yeah and we had uh, a lot of stuff to do following that last episode is the thing yeah this is really uh, a lot of top secret stuff the point where all of it came to fruition 
on the David Amos bit and on like the whole online security pill, it's I it's a level of kind of general conservative hysteria about this entire thing that like they obviously go for the big kind of authoritarian solutions where like there are other things that like we can do to properly protect our public officials. I for one really enjoy the uh, Marc Francois uh, yeah. kind of option of just making sure that he, he wrote an article in the Spectator I think it was saying that uh, he hoped that um, all MPs can end up being armed for their own protection yeah. which I do he said with guns and I agree that it should be guns as long as they're as old as the House of Commons itself yeah. <laughs> in which case yeah every MP should have to drag around an 1830s 32 pounder cannon loaned from the Imperial War Museum in order to yeah. <laughs> protect themselves I think that's the only safe way yeah I mean isn't that the old saying is that the only per- thing stopping a bad guy with a gun is a Tory who doesn't know how to use a musket <laughs> yeah precisely hmm. And also, you know, it's, I'm all about, the, you know, from my kind of my degree background and everything, I'm all about bringing history back to life and bringing yeah. it into public sphere. And uh, I think but, <laughs> dredging out a bunch of shit that was last used yeah. at Trafalgar would be well in yeah. line with everything that Jacob Rees-Mogg wants to do with oh, this country. God, yeah. Bringing history back to life so that a Tory can execute it in public yeah. without tweeting. <laughs> uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves again, though. We need to Sorry. cycle back Sorry. to September. What happened early September? The Met Gala. There was the Met, Met Gala. Gala. That happens. was a, that was an event. Yeah. Did you Did you enjoy the um, Peg the Patriarchy? Mm. Thing? Yes. Let's uh, Let's workshop some other equivalent slogans. <laughs> um, the suck off white supremacy. <laughs> Your turn. I don't. I don't like. Go on, this. do this. No, <laughs> do I it. don't. Jerk off jingoism. <laughs> Come on, I'm just uh, I'm just spitballing. Let's uh, keep it coming. Come on. Oh no. Oh, that was truly awful. Hmm. I saw that. I did see that for that people were begrudgingly saying that Timothy Chalamet was actually wearing a good outfit. Yeah, that's I mean, that's like that's kind of the, the the point of a thing like the Met Gala. You don't wear like just the equivalent of like a t-shirt that says Bazinga on it you wear good clothes (laughs) I don't understand all of the like slogans on stuff like it's just just, I mean it's because people think of it as like I don't know it's the simplest way of making any kind of political statement and in the process doing probably the most boring job of like being at a high level fashion event that's the thing yeah because as as empty and kind of vacuous as as it can be at least it was once upon a time a thing where like kind of nice clothes were on display mm. and stuff it's just yeah I don't because it's like any any message that you're comfortable that you're made comfortable in uh, displaying at the Met Gala is ultimately going to be meaningless because it's just because of who you are and where you are mm. and like I mean the, the tax the rich dress which again was just a bad dress mm. and like tax the rich is such a weak source like mm. slogan like the rich do pay taxes the, yeah. the point is to do something more interesting like yeah. kind of address the wage system or kind of like yeah redistribute wealth fundamentally yeah. or something like that and it's a funny thing is because like it was a clip like aimed at like the the, sta- the easy villains like Jeff Bezos and stuff but like people like that of all the problems that billionaires cause like people people like Jeff Bezos allow just equally like greedy self-serving wealthy people who aren't quite million a billionaire status mm-hmm. to just make themselves feel comfortable and yeah. that's why like you can have like yeah a bunch of like movie stars and stuff gushing over this terrible dress because it's like it just makes them feel better about not being the three or four people that they think are the source yeah. of all social problems like they yeah you, you well just... the the tax the rich thing taken to the place that like democrats in america are going to take it given that the type of party they are is just that it's that perfect like liberal take on the current 
issues that face society where it's like mm. nothing foundational can change all we can do is tweak around the edges all that we are comfortable is doing is tweaking around the edges yeah. because we are beholden to all of the donors and all of the people who are like yeah. funding all of our political campaigns and so yeah you end up with this situation where yeah like tax the rich on address is was like a talking point a month ago and yeah. currently the democrats are just absolutely failing to get through any like popular policies that they mm. ran on as part yeah. of the election to do with like anything to do with maternity cover yeah. anything to do with like paid sick leave anything that will actually like yeah. impact the lives of people who are currently like having their lives foreshortened and dying because yeah. like when you're at the like sharp edge of american society it's like just something that ends your life quickly yeah and yeah it's like for all of that for like I don't know, for AOC to be, like, the progressive, like, figurehead in certain circles of, like, the Democratic Party and it being the same party that is currently nominally, supposedly, in power in the United mm. States and is so unable to pursue any kind of, like, transformative policy for the country. It's yeah. just, like, it's it means it's just a dress. It's yeah. not more... It can't be more as long as that's the yeah. case. Like, I mean, uh, it's been talked to death definitely at this stage bit being november now but like yeah it's just it's just depressing to just the, the idea that like anyone can kind of position themselves as like being kind of fundamentally like transgressive in an act of attending a fancy party with fancy people and mm. like just yeah I mean, and there, there was just like there was a tweet that followed from like joe biden and lots of people pointing that as like the kind of the, the product of this form of activism it's like it's it's a tweet from mm-hmm. the president who doesn't write his own tweets yeah like yeah it, it meant nothing it's like yeah there was like a, all types of there was like so many examples of that sort of things like everyone's talking about tax of rich today it's like yesterday mm-hmm. <laughs> because that like everyone always talks about whatever's in the news yeah and just because those words appear on twitter more today than they did yesterday just doesn't mean anything yeah I just going back very briefly to the online safety bill thing. Mm. How far do you think it would come with me on a journey? Imagine yeah. that we live in a world in which Joe Biden actually does run his own Twitter account and actually does send all of his own tweets. Now, it's to a foreign leader, so it's not someone based on UK soil. Mm. Would I get imprisoned, do you think, for sending repeatedly tweets to Joe Biden while he runs his Twitter account, just giving him instructions on how to open PDF files. Yeah. Like, would that be enough yeah. to put me in prison? Where's the, what's the gray that's, area? No, that's constructive. That's like, because they might outlaw all forms of criticism, mm. except maybe constructive criticism. Okay. And he definitely would learn something from a, from a guide like that, I'm sure. I mean, if he were to run his own Twitter account, though, would it just be voice, no- voice notes of him just snoring? <laughs> He's still I like to imagine, yeah. He's still falling asleep places. Not nothing's much has changed over the last couple of months. There'd be an aide who worked out how to like reconfigure his phone so that he stopped just like pocket dialing people and instead yeah. post it all to Twitter and really that yeah. would be an international service. That's true, yeah. Although I do I do like the idea of a Biden run yeah. Out, just pictures of cool ice creams he saw that day like just <laughs> people he threatened to run over sprinting yeah. away in the background <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh, so yeah so that's the Met Gala uh, 9-11 <laughs> 20... <laughs> <laughs> 20 year anniversary <clears throat> yeah the uh, the 20th anniversary of, of 9-11 and like and John, John like, uh, <laughs> yes what yes what, uh, what, what like what on 
on this on 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 the on the eleventh uh, of September two thousand one, what were you, what were you doing at the time? Was it something completely mundane and ordinary because you had no idea about the massive terrorist incident that was about to take place that day? Was it something completely normal? I believe I was. I believe I was sitting and having some juice. That's so weird that we were all just doing stuff like that that day. Yeah. That, that we none of us were like kind of messaged in advance to let us know what was going to happen. <laughs> isn't it weird that like... Yeah, yeah no, it's strange. Just, it's weird, mm, isn't it? It's bad. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that was 9-11. I'm <laughs> 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 just going to... <laughs> Uh, you know gonna... when a bit starts and you're like, I'm going to yes and this. I don't know where this is going. Um, okay, so let's just cycle through some uh, early September events. Um, <laughs> Cuomo resigned. Sure. Because uh, him legalizing weed um... it was too popular. They don't <laughs> go for that kind of thing. Over there. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, well, he was responsible for the deaths of like mm. tens of thousands of people in nursing homes and stuff. Yeah. And... No, that's and, saying, uh, that's... that. If anything, just boosted his popularity because he wrote a book about all the stuff he didn't do. Yeah, and um, yeah, all the Democrat Cuomo sexuals. Imagine, were... <laughs> imagine writing a book that quickly when you're supposed to be dealing with a public health response. Yeah, the thing though, he had already like written a book about how he dealt with COVID before, kind of ostensibly before COVID was even a thing. That's like, that was how yeah. quick the turnaround of this thing was. That's like very but, powerful negotiating tool actually when yeah. it comes to like implementing your policy being like it can't it can't change from what I've written down because it's in the fucking book and that's yeah. been published on Tuesday. You're not yeah. allowed to it'll be libelous. Yeah. <laughs> but it's I, I I kind of I thought he'd be unshakable at some point mm. because it just it there was just a point where like just a function of like public responses to local failures in kind of like COVID restrictions mm. and vaccine rollouts to so just like in large part, just like whoever's whatever is the closest like point of contact to a member of a party that you don't like in office is the one to blame. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, you had like the nursing home crisis where enough Democrat voters in New York State were happy to just say this is entirely Trump, and yeah. where you had like Republicans in New York saying this is this is Cuomo and nothing to do with Trump, and it's just yeah, it's just the most dependent thing. It's to the point yeah. where you can see like down to like the county you can see how like the rollout of the vaccine kind of falls on like partisan lines and stuff down mm. to like the supply of vaccines in particular areas and yeah. stuff it's yeah is it like 40 percent of people are still un- unvaccinated in in the united states yeah. and well there's such um yeah vaccine kind of distribution is such a continuing and never-ending problem mm. that like within america generally around the world in like everything from kind of like vaccine hesitancy to like based off of like kind of long existing historical like issues to do with the distribution of medicine the way in which medicine has been used in say like certain like sub-saharan african countries and like yeah it creates so many problems that like western europe the northern hemisphere the u.s administration Mm -hmm. in general have absolutely no interest in solving because Mm -hmm. fundamentally everyone seems to think of this still as being like a response that they have to coordinate nationally as opposed to an international response that they have a role in implementing yes fucking mental yeah just the entire political class in america is kind of it's like just created this like frankenstein's monster where like republican voters are literally like begging republican lawmakers to allow them to like allow them to die Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you've got yeah You've got, like, a Democratic administration now that has, like... Oh, I don't even know where I'm going with that point. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've got... 
Yeah, you've got Republican lawmakers who are all secretly taking the vaccine and publicly like pretend that they haven't. Yeah. Um, because it comes down to like in cases where like Trump himself was booed at a Trump rally for yeah. saying that people should take the vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so yeah, you just got Republican voters like begging Republican lawmakers to let them just commit a mass suicide almost. Yeah. And you got yeah the Democratic administration that's kind of not that's just not really just not got any sort of claim to like trying to find any sort of innovative solution mm. to the lack of a vaccine roller where it comes yeah. to just like pay people to take it is the yeah. thing and that you can't really even like blame ordinary individuals for like being suspicious in a in just such a like backwards like market oriented like mm. every society, single like, other aspect of American healthcare costs money to the point where I think the other day I saw a story about how someone went into A and E didn't get treated and left after like a few hours and got yeah. charged seven hundred dollars yeah. for the pleasure. Like and yeah, in that context, hmm. a free vaccine is going to like actually yeah. some people seem like some kind yeah, of Yeah, why is this one free? Thing. Is yeah. the thing yeah. Yeah. Uh. It's fine though, because um wasn't it and was it within the last month or a bit before that Matt Hancock was um Appointed as a UN special envoy for yeah. uh, like vaccine distribution uh, yeah. across the global <laughs> south. As... Was he immediately sacked though? He was, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that is the most on-brand Matt Hancock thing to do. Just, yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's the most on-brand Tory thing to do generally at the moment is just yeah. to start walking down a path which looks like a success to you and then immediately be told you have to leave. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, one thing that we should we haven't spoken about at all is um, uh, in our own dear backyard, the Tory party conference came to town. Oh, yeah, that was on, yeah. Remember that? Hmm. How every fucking policeman between Milton Keynes and Sterling was yeah. brought into central Manchester in order to direct crowds of people who really mostly just wanted to get to the Arndale. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun seeing all the young Tories turn up at the gym with their oh, guest passes, swinging their lanyards as they went through with identical uh, haircuts. And <laughs> awful. Uh, or, it was just, it's like, very sad, really. Yeah. Just, it's a sad time to be in the city centre of Manchester whenever the Tory party conference rolls around because mm. it is just a bunch of people that everyone in this city finds unpleasant just yeah. coming here for no other purpose than to, like, lord their presence over the, like... Yeah. And it's, like, it's gone to the extent now where... People are so angry, they're not even throwing eggs at young Tories very much anymore. It's yeah. like, it's like, just, there's people who have had their lives ruined who take the opportunity to go up to Tory ministers or like mm. Jake Rees-Mogg or whoever else and explain how they've ruined their life. And then, like, that's just a standard part of yeah. these people's days at this mm. point and it's something that I presume they almost treat as like a training exercise for not feeling any sense of moral indignation at their own policies at other times of the year yeah. like once I suppose once you've gone through the trial by fire of having someone who's like yeah entire life has been irrever irrevocably ruined mm. speaking to you in person yeah. that you can just go out the rest of your day going around the halls of Westminster and mm. like feel fairly blithely unaffected by any of it yeah it's funny because it's like uh it's why they keep coming back here is because like that the sorts of videos like that famous one of like Boris Johnson being like pelted on Oxford mm. uh, on Oxford Road um, it's like catnip to them it's like the, how wouldn't that just reinforce the Tory and everything that they believe about like the sorts of people who they feel like they need to exist to mm. like kind of just extinguish as a like 
kind of a group of people who vote with their collective interest, which is yeah, pretty much yeah. Well, it's how they end up this to the entire like political class. And <laughs> it's how they end up pushing this whole line about like the need for civility in politics and the need for like uh, kind of polite level of discourse needs to re-enter the frame. And it's something that was like talked about again with the like David Amos death and like yeah. all that, where fundamentally there's a conflation of actual kind of violent injury um, towards people in public office with, again, people expressing their opinions online or yeah. expressing opinions through peaceful protest about, yeah. like, anything that the Tory government is doing. But mm. fundamentally, it also starts from an entirely incorrect position that seems to, like, that implies that no one is already being injured by the things that the Tories are doing. When yeah. you are the party that is in power and structurally you are like c just committing acts of like societal violence mm -hmm. upon entire like communities of people then asking them to like come to you and act as if they've not just been like knocked about and degraded and yeah. like speak to you on like a level pegging when you just hold the entire power in like any polite conversation that takes place i by the way i have a uh, further idea for the podcast in general, which is that anytime we say either say it's depressing or talk about something depressing, we have to put money into a little jar. Yeah. <laughs> sure, it's every time we say something is depressing. Yeah. And every time we say something that is depressing. Yeah. It can be our equipment fund. It can... So when you say say something, can that be like, is that per word or is that like per... Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll say it's per, per sentiment. Because I don't think I've handled physical money since January 2020. <laughs> Yeah. Well, here's a reason to start again. Or we can get one of those, like, contactless donation points for our own fucking podcast mm. to just pay ourselves. Mm. If that's not an exercise in money laundering, I don't know what mm. is. Oh, yeah, so that was, uh, that was September, wasn't it? Oh, I need to... Before we move on, I need to make mention of, within the Tory party conference, the um, uh, after-party boogie that uh, Laura Kinsberg uh... got into with Michael Gove. No, let's talk about it. Uh... Let's talk about it. Penny in the jar and then <laughs> see yourself out. <laughs> what shapes do you think they threw on the dance floor? And uh, what verse of Come on Eileen do you think it was that they started dancing with each I'm other? I'm more interested in knowing the exact, like, colour of the... the pointed hooded garments that they were wearing <laughs> at the same time like how many of them were carrying torches were they all going in the circle and yeah. then going in and then back out and then like a... <laughs> yeah that mm. was a moment yeah because it was uh dominic penner who mm. uh posted a tweet that he very quickly withdrew coward yeah <laughs> yeah about how yeah laura kunzberg and michael gove had a dance off and rap battle mm. as one tory mp sang ice ice baby at karaoke last yeah. night apparently well, it's funny it's like they they do stuff like that and then they act surprised when it's like oh i thought that was like a secret society meeting mm. and then just like call all their friends at like the was it the Scotsman that had like pulled the story as well? Like yeah. that, yeah. Tweet was deleted, and it's like they didn't retract it. They didn't, yeah. They didn't yeah. publish a retraction or anything. It was just. Oh no! This, it, this just, we weren't supposed to let anyone know that this had happened. Yeah, yeah. It's the state of like there is no sense of accountability to what because there's so many people now who like are journalists who exist on Twitter who are almost like personality journalists in mm. themselves because some of the things that they say are often objectionable or mm. they focus on a certain topic and so they get followings for those reasons yeah. and so they end up almost treating anything that they're doing in like uh, oh this was a social media gaff way as opposed to like I am a 
vital part of the like what should be a functioning and healthy democracy yeah. with like accountability towards elected officials and mm. anything where it turns out that oh no we're all actually just friends yeah like that shit gets like just swept under a rug mm. but yeah ice ice baby if yeah. what do you think they were well it was one tory mp who was apparently freestyle rapping what do you yeah. think they were rapping about well it was so so on top of Laura Kunzberg and Michael Gove, there was a freestyle. I'm so, let me. I sorry. I need to for journalistic sense of integrity. I need to get this correct. Laura Kunzberg and Michael Gove had a dance off and a rap battle. Yeah. As one MP sang "Ice Ice Baby." What oh, do you think okay. they were rapping about against each other? So they had a rap battle. So, but, but I mean, I just given how like how out of touch everyone involved in that would have been, I imagine it was they were just like doing "Ice Ice Baby" and someone's like, "Oh, a rap battle." <laughs> Because it was an original composition. (laughs) I mean, I'd like to... I mean, it would be consistent with, like, say, the 2019 intake of Tory MPs Mm. where you just had, in a corner, Ben Bradley, like, kind of emceeing with, like, heavy N-word usage and stuff. I know. I think they... To, be, to give them their due, I think they probably went in another direction with it. And instead, they have both been for previous like three months sending each other back and forth YouTube clips of that mm-hmm. uh, prick who does chat pop. Yeah. And then they just started like reciting that to each other yeah. across. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe they were filming an episode for that terrible epic rap Battles of History channel. It's quite possible. <laughs> I'll be Winston Churchill. You be Joan of Arc. <laughs> Is there any record of, because we spoke about in a previous episode, how Michael Gove had been up in Scotland throwing other shapes and uh, yeah. doing an incredible impression of train spotting. And, yeah, as reported by, as broken by us. Indeed. <laughs> but yeah, the, I wonder whether that was just kind of a warm-up. That was in like yeah. testing thing. And the way that you do kind of like test things out. And, like, yeah, smaller, work in progress yeah, show, yeah, was it? Yeah. yeah. It was... <laughs> I mean, imagine if Scotland gets independence having cursed this country with those two people. <laughs> It'd be the biggest political win in like a millennium. It's like when we... Um, no, I've... No. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> uh, what, so that was... Should we say... Should we, is that a wrap on September? Did anything else happen? Uh, did anything else happen? Let's have a quick look. Uh... Oh, I mean, well, I've, we probably talked about it a little bit in a previous episode, but mm. um, Pride. Yeah. Pride took place. The natural bedfellow of current Pride in Britain and America, which is the endless stream of rainbow advertisements done by various corporations around the country, all, mm. all took place and were all immediately followed up by those, like, Companies going back to kind of grey and sepia tone logos and immediately offering large deals to various transphobic comics yeah. and entertainers. That's mm. as a, as is as is the custom of the moment. Apparently, yeah. it's I it's very depressing. Coining the thing to yeah. say, but like, and maybe not something to spend a huge amount of time going over because I don't know if I'll do anything other than just make us both very sad. But to have like. What, that, this was meant to be the fun episode where we didn't have a plan. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just I Netflix has advertisements up over or had advertisements up over Pride where it said like Rainbow is the new black and Spotify had fucking hashtags about press play for Pride and all that kind of shit. And yeah. like to see places like that just run those kinds of things entirely disingenuously and then yeah, hand over a hmm. hundred million dollar fucking deals yeah. to Joe Rogan or like have their CEO immediately bat for the most transphobic material that Dave Chappelle does is just like yeah. it's 
a kind of perfect little microcosm case study of just how fucking pointless those elements of modern pride are. Like, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Another coin in the jar. <laughs> So a Buzz Lightyear film is happening. Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> Buzz Lightyear origin story. Yeah, yeah, we had a heated discussion over <laughs> what that means for the broader Toy Story verse. Yeah. And yeah. So the idea is that Buzz Lightyear, who is uh, basically the action man of the Toy Story universe, yeah. is also a real human being who in the future went to space. <laughs> That's I. So my understanding of it... Um, <laughs> I wish I didn't have an understanding of it because it means I've read about it more than I want to, but is that the original plan for Buzz Lightyear as a toy when he was first introduced into the Toy Story mythos, as it now is because it's multiple films, Mm. was it was based on a blockbuster film set in-universe, which they are now bringing into our universe by doing a Space Marine movie that includes an action man doll in it. Very good. I mean, the, the most offensive part of that is just getting... Chris Evans to do yeah. it like what what's happened to voice work that like yeah. oh like I mean there was a, a point where there were professional like voice actors yeah. and people who are just good at that sort of thing because it's a specific thing to do because you can't see the person and so they have to behave differently to yeah. like someone who is like cast in a bunch of Marvel films because like oh this um this plate of low fat porridge was left in the gym for two years why shouldn't they like be given every role available yeah. In like across yeah superhero films and children's films and animated shit and I feel like it's a strategy being specifically pursued by Disney to get both actors who are like who have signed their lives over to it at this point as well as audiences used to the idea that like because it's expensive to get unionized people to make sets in real life and mm-hmm. render them in physical reality instead like pushing everything down an animated route and a CGI route where you don't have to like pay for anyone's like staff welfare and can just rely on about a bunch of like South Korean animators doing yeah. like crunch time for like weeks and weeks and weeks in order to get a film out. Mm-hmm. It's like all of that put together means that now they just want to get us used to the idea of like, oh no, these are A-list actors who now will just do voice work because yeah. of all of the stuff we do is CGI. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. There was, yeah, there was that. And then Snow White, they're doing again. Um, I haven't seen yeah. anything about this. What are they doing to Snow White? I think it's like a live action thing oh. again, like Beauty and the Beast style. I mean, I've not seen any of the live action Disney remakes, but they announced Gal Gadot. Again, I'm going to. Is it Godot or Godot? Uh, Godot, I think. Godot. Let's. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll Godot with that for now. <laughs> Gal Godot, who is a um, very talented professional actress. Yeah. Uh, whose John Lennon covers are always well received by the. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah it just sucks they're, it's going to get to the point where they're announcing another one of these every single day yeah. there's like a proper compression of this well they just need to there's nothing safer than something that's already been successful in the past and considering yeah. Disney owns all of its like owns the entirety of like 20th century media at this point yeah. it's, just... are, they, are they making money though because there was Milan as well wasn't there oh, and God stuff and it's like, who, but who's I don't get the impression that anyone's going to see any of this stuff yeah. and I mean by Disney standards anything that takes less than 2 billion globally is like a yeah. failure so yeah. they can't all be doing that right we don't have enough time in the day to see these and also good films for grown ups this is the question <laughs> this is the question though as well for me because I did I went to see uh, Beauty and the Beast yeah. uh, when they did the live action one of it and like 
These are not, uh, if they've stayed to the same track, I've not seen any others, so I can't say for certain, but with that one at least, that was not a film for children. It was yeah. a children's film that was remade for adults, and that mm. was driven home for me by them, like, a few seats over from where I was watching it in the cinema, there was, like, a mother with her kid, and towards the end where it reached the climax and there was, like, the crowd was going to get the beast and all that kind of stuff, the kid was bawling because yeah. it was, like, incredibly loud, incredibly dark, incredibly, mm. like, overwrought in terms of how, like, ferocious they made both the crowd and the beast. And, like, yeah. all of it was just, like, yeah, this is just a badly made film for yeah. adults. Like... Yeah. What like what is the point of these things? Yeah. And they take it to something like I don't know the Milan film where it's like oh no but we're doing this and it's like a historical film. It's like <laughs> it's this idea of like Disney wanting to basically use everything they currently have to like make their own version of every genre of yeah. film that exists. That's the thing. It's like it's got to a point where they feel the need to like legitimize other like forms of genre fiction by like kind of filtering it through like the kind of MCU. Mm stuff I don't know yeah, but I think was that's it like with Shang-Chi and stuff and they're just like oh we're yeah. gonna do like a martial arts film but like we're gonna we're gonna perfect it now yeah. because that's just what we're in the business of doing yeah, yeah we just well even for like because with the Eternals one that they're coming out with now that yeah. has the first ever depiction of sex in western cinema and that and yeah. everyone needs to be very very <laughs> excited for it it's this, like, like I love the idea that you could possibly try and push the argument in like just a world that has experienced like Game of Thrones as a show that there is anything provocative or interesting about like mm. depicting a sex scene now in a Marvel superhero film yeah. like there is no new ground that you are treading there is nothing yeah. that like is pushing the envelope out yeah. it, apart from for Disney itself because like Disney is responsible for so much of the just like ardent sexlessness of like yeah. so much media now that's the thing it's like they they make so much stuff yeah where and gives up like people such little time to like do all the homework that's required to like watch every film every mcu film that you watch if you're coming into a new there's like seven or eight that you have to have seen and then it assigns you a further like seven or eight that you need to watch to follow that and yeah uh, like tv series and stuff and like kind of spin off comic books and then yeah yeah uh, the, the fact that there's so much of it means that like effectively to them if something's not been done in a disney film it's just not been done yeah and so anything that they introduce as a concept to their films is like some sort of achievement where it's like you're just making a film yeah. there's like a, a finite number of things you can do in a yeah. film and it's not that much of an achievement to introduce something into a like a canon that contains what like dozens and dozens of films now that all yeah. cost like just hundreds of millions of dollars and yeah well yeah. there i and i'm directly stealing this idea from a tweet i will say that i don't remember the author of but some pointing out as well the strategy of like basically finding and locating um directors whose previous works have all been kind of like these introspective like pieces of film about like kind of loss of humanity in a like harsh like poverty like lifestyle or existence or whatever taking all of this stuff and then got that director to fucking direct the next installment of like goblin archers five the road to victory or whatever yeah. it's like there's all these things where it's like they're because their whole mo is they take like very current very like kind of directors who have done like good work previously mm. and then just pull them in to do the next mcu piece or something like that mm. and that's supposed to give credence to the work because yeah. i think fundamentally there's some executive producer somewhere in that machine that understands that the source material they have for the kind of thing they're trying to pull off now is flimsy mm. like it's something that they if they had their own way i imagine they'd move off to some other incredibly safe thing that like mm. they could just 
mine for reusable content at this point. It just so yeah. happens that's fallen as being superheroes. Yeah. But they're big enough that if it wasn't that, it would just be some random other thing. Yeah. Like, the thing is superheroes for now. It's like you know how like there's all that hacky commentary from like the kind of kind of early mid two thousands about oh everything's like about vampires now and then mm. all of a sudden everything was about like zombies and stuff. and it's like now it I mean it is kind of true that like everything has to be a superhero film now yeah. and like yeah tomorrow it will be something completely yeah. different I mean they're ready get, get, they're getting ready to like just pump Star Wars for all it's worth mm. in like the coming decade pretty much yeah. and so it'll just they'll they'll at a certain point just be able to decide what everyone is allowed to like at a given time yeah. and every type of story they think it's worth telling will be will have to be filtered through mm. through through that that kind of form and it's the amount of like credit a lot of these creators are claiming for their stuff is just kind of obscene it's like you had like the russo brothers commenting on how like instructive avengers endgame can be when you go and vote in the in next year's yeah. presidential election and stuff and then like stuff about with one division being like just about emotional trauma and stuff mm. and it's like it was a a witch whose robot alien boyfriend had the green gummy pulled out by the purple man <laughs> and like it's just it, yeah I, I you can you can enjoy just about anything but don't just don't pretend it's everything yeah it's, it's not the summation of every current piece of human existence yeah like you're not holding all of that and that, mm. it serves their purpose to say that it is because then they can just take that idea of like the content that you consume is the person that you are and yeah. it, it entirely reflects everything to do with the person that you are and we have all the content so you're yeah. fucked basically yeah. <laughs> you're you're in this ride with us until the end like, yeah yeah but yeah that's, that's that buzz lightyear the film buzz lightyear. <laughs> out in cinemas 2022 yeah. <laughs> i just don't understand how there's enough people to keep this going well yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I suppose there'll always be enough people to watch any Disney yeah. film, but you've got to imagine there's some sort of like that the arse is going to fall out of this at some point. Then they <laughs> just to hope continue to fill the cinemas. I think I feel like eventually maybe the arse will fall out of it, and that'll just come with. There is like there's a specific style to Disney films, and it's mm. you can see it because it is so such a landmark moment for them that they're having an actual sex scene in one of their films mm. where like they can tell as many different stories as they like the format and the style in which they tell those stories will always have some similarities and mm. eventually people get bored of that like you yeah. can't you don't actually have you can have a stranglehold over like entertainment media as it's produced but you can't have really a stranglehold over people's tastes in the way yeah. that they think that they can yeah like it'll peter out at some point or it won't and i will be proven wrong uh, by time and die yeah. sad and alone <laughs> i mean there's still there's still plenty of time for it to like kind of have a second and third and fourth life and mm. they'll yeah they, they, I mean, there's it's just the sheer amount that they own at this point and I the, the way they're able to effectively like through market saturation just like basically cultivate people's tastes and encourage people to like cultivate their own identities based off those like enforced tastes and yeah. stuff and yeah, it, it sounds very like histrionic <laughs> I, I know but like i don't know it's just a very like grim picture for when just yeah like there's there's an element of like i mean online fandoms have always been kind of hellish but like just you you can't express any form of like just basic aesthetic doubt over like any disney work without people kind of like oh a scorsese incel over yeah. here go to hell <laughs> white man and so yeah. and it's just yeah. it's the most 
I insufferable have, thing. I do have to say I was just struck by a wave of abject terror at the idea that these comments could be found and used against me in whatever Disney-run nursing home I end up in. Yeah. So I'd like to actually retract everything that yeah. I just said and uh, have it wiped from the record. Yeah. The Disney pop culture kangaroo courts that we'll all be like <laughs> forced into. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, on the subject of films, mm. uh, Alec Baldwin... Not touching it. No, <laughs> I no. I did see, though, that there was a thing going around the other day, a, 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 a kind of a faked Trump statement about it. Yeah. And then it was quickly, like, proven to be fake. Yeah. But, like, I couldn't find the fake statement anywhere. I yeah. kind of wanted to read what this person thought Trump's take on Alec Baldwin, like, shooting someone to death. I think I've, I, I did see it. I've forgotten exactly what the wording was. But it was, like, very much just someone taking all of the, like, tropes of what people... Think mm. like Trump speaks like and like yeah. gathering them all together around the idea of like Alec Baldwin being like a no talent person and had this kind of thing coming to him, mm. which yeah. like yeah, it was mm. it wasn't underwhelming. I would say it was whelming as a yeah. as a piece of internet like oh, made up humor. Yeah, I mean in the in the great battle of our time, it's fifteen all between Donald mm. Trump and Alec Baldwin at this stage. Yeah. I imagine. Yeah. Who's next on the docket? Yeah, Labour conference as well. I mean, there was a Tory yep. party conference, but then there was the exploding clown car of <laughs> what remains of the Labour party at this stage. Yep. And, uh, I can't even remember any detail of Keir Starmer's keynote mm. or anything. But, but yeah, Do you West... not spend most of it being very upset at Angela Rayner for briefly, correctly describing Tories? Yeah, I mean, that, that was... I mean, was there were there multiple incidents? Because there was one. There I was think... a point in Parliament when she kind of muttered scum, mm. which. Yeah, I, I don't know whether it was a multiple time thing or whether it was only one time thing. Actually, because yeah. that was like over a year ago now, wasn't yeah. it? That was like ages ago. So was it? Was it like? <laughs> were there people just kind of clamoring for like Keir Starmer to issue like retrospective like punishment? I guess. Based I mean, on a piece of legislation that's not yet passed, we're not about which is doubly illegal. <laughs> retrospective actions in Parliament are here. That's yeah. ludicrous. Come on. Yeah, I mean, but in amongst all of that, I mean, that was a, I feel like kind of a sideshow to just yeah. Labour fucking tripping up over its own laces about like mm. occasionally having a small amount of personality and garnering yeah. some support from people yeah. who desperately need them. But and uh, more to that point, I mean, like. Keir Starmer, I doubt, has had a face-to-face conversation with Andrew Rayner since the Hartlepool by-election, mm. like, where he tried and failed. Yeah, he was trying to have two affairs at the same time as sacking a bunch of people from his cabinet and then unsacking them. He's a very um, busy man. We shouldn't judge. So yeah. It's not our place. He but, wants his... I, I want my family back. <laughs> <laughs> but um, in amongst all that, I mean, it was... I think it was... Was it in light of that Angela Rayner stuff that you then had Wes Street in coming out and talking about, like the need to sacrifice Labour's sacred cows on the altar of electability. Yeah. Is that... <laughs> we should take our sacred cows to the town square every day. And yep. Until, was it, until we're knee-deep in blood or something, um, that he said. Every day we should drag a sacred cow of our party to the town marketplace and slaughter it until we are up to our knees in blood. Yes. Yeah. You... I think that was, that, that was just the general, like, 
any opportunity it takes to kind of like slam the left mm-hmm. for the center's failures, it's, it's yeah. It's West Streeting having a normal one. Yeah. <laughs> Just imagine being West Streeting and think that you can be in any sense intimidating to anyone. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, you're, you're from a trade union. Oh, stand still while I harm you. <laughs> <laughs> Just this. Uh, and it's just like he people have there's commentary about him kind of positioning himself for a leadership run at some point yeah and like just yeah the the idea that that like lanyard sucking demon from cambridge can like claim ownership over the political wing of the labor movement is is the most deeply depressing concept in a way i would actually congratulate labor for finding in him a potential leadership candidate who's even more insipid and means less than keith's Keir Starmer, I nearly called him Keith. Yeah. I, in earnest, nearly called Online him Online hate, come on, yeah, be careful. No, no, you better be on your best behaviour for the rest years. of the Ten years show. or a £5,000 fine, that's what I heard. <laughs> Ten Wait. years or a £5,000 fine? I, sorry, no, I'm complaining. The £5,000 fine is if you use a megaphone outside Parliament. Okay. Uh, the ten years in prison is if you, uh, I don't know, subtweet Andrea Litsum or something. Yeah. <laughs> If you subtweet them, yeah. I think I like, subtweet Tories in my sleep. But shouldn't, that shouldn't be regulated. Let's Thought keep the Tories crime. out of our bedroom. Thought crimes are here. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no. Is it all right that I'm using your actual name? This isn't for the recording, is that? You've just doxed me, John. Okay, I cool. told you you ought to be on your best. <laughs> Didn't I tell you to I be forgot, on your I on your forgot. best behaviour after that, oh, Keith? Sir. I forgot you were a Tory MP. Shit. You use the you use the K word and then you and then you dox me on <laughs> doxed on my own podcast. Doxed. No, this my is... name is Barack Hussein Obama. We've been through this. <laughs> Barack Hussein Obama, and this is Women's Hour. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, yeah, West Streeting doing what West Streeting does going out and being like the biggest problem that I have in my entire life is that I might one day not be comfortable because <laughs> once because I I think he has a bogeyman in his head called the jam man who is just like mm. Jeremy Corbyn in a like big like cartoonish communist worker's cap just yeah. riding around on a bicycle and like throwing allotments at him I don't know yeah it's, has he has he had his own spitting image thing oh yeah. he probably has yeah. I, I direct competition. <laughs> the two the two great competing vanguards of political commentary in this country, the left our own podcast yeah. and spitting image. I had forgotten about spitting image until yeah. you mentioned it just now, now I'm very sad. Mm. <laughs> spitting image, just Matt Ford's comedy for men in their forties who still breastfeed. <laughs> It's for the it's for the belt hitching like segment of British society. It's all yeah. those people who stand around in pubs and like, yeah, just mm. pull up denim jeans that haven't fit them since the Smiths were last charting and like yeah. talk about how fucking sure they are of how right they are about every single yeah. aspect of politics. Yeah, that's fine though. It's mm. it's part of a healthy democracy, or so they tell yeah. me. We don't need to go into the <laughs> the, the minutiae of the takes mm. we've got plenty of takes of our own we've Indeed. got um... oh John Hinckley Jr. is free <laughs> you hear about this? no go on <laughs> John Hinckley Jr. Um, friend of the podcast and uh, great American <laughs> patriot, <laughs> patriot who's, um, <laughs> he was underserved by the gun that he discharged at Ronald Reagan the failure wasn't his own, but yeah, apparently his, his doctor won an appeal oh, cool. earlier in the year to have him released from a mental health facility and disbanded his therapy group. And he's just, he's allowed to wow. live free again. And he's, wow. he's on Spotify making music apparently. Mm. So there's a, there'll be a link in the, in the description uh, to some of yeah. dear, dear John's works. Um, 
Yeah, support wow. independent artists. And, yep. <laughs> and again, great American patriots. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, online hate um, guns. From, <laughs> I don't know, they're, they're not... If we, if we threaten American politicians, do we still get... That's the question. Yeah, this grey area, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I want this bill passed just so I can kind of test it. Yeah. I want to have a go at spreading all different yeah. levels, togs, and like yeah. intensities of online hate towards various people nationally yeah. and internationally <laughs> and find out what, uh, mm. yeah, what areas yeah. are no-go. Yeah. I mean, we could do an experiment. I'm going to change my Twitter name to Kirsten Cinema and then dive into Mitt Romney's DMs and see what, <laughs> you do see that, what he's saying. Let's see, <laughs> let's see if they're open. Uh Oh, Romney's DMs open. A question only this podcast. Oh God damn it! <laughs> oh no! Oh, he saw you coming. Oh no! There's his senator, his official page, and then his like personal one. Let's see. Oh no! They're closed. Open your DMs, you coward! <laughs> <laughs> uh, where's Streeting? Where's Streeting? <laughs> 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 maybe that's the end maybe that's the end of the podcast it's just Wes streaming and then the three seconds of silence mm, what does he actually sound like I don't know I don't want to don't make me do impressions I'm bad at impressions well, I need to work on one you're the impressionista well, of this yeah. entire outfit <laughs> impressionista I just provide the honks yeah <laughs> um, Jacob Rees-Mogg Jacob Rees yeah there was that epic tweet from him oh yes how uh, in response to Current affairs, he did what only Jacob Rees-Mogg can do and drew everyone back about 200 years. Mm. Oh, wait. He's got a podcast. Oh, no. Do you want to hear what it's called? Yes, please. The Mogcast. Oh, get away from yeah. me. <laughs> I am. I was a great lover of Megan Mogg books when I was a child, and I find that personally offensive. <laughs> what the hell are Megan Mogg books? Do you not know Megan Mogg? <laughs> Look at me, John. <laughs> Megan Mogg were books about a cartoon witch and her little cat. Her cat was Mog. Okay. And they, they but you can't call a cat pictures. Mog. Like Why a cat. Not? That's like calling a cat cat. Well, it's his name. Let's see. She sounds like a shit book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving this podcast again. <laughs> this is a Fantastic Five podcast. Megan Mog. Is it Fantastic what? Five? Magnificent Seven? But <laughs> the Fantastic. Yeah, Fantastic Five. Wait, Fantastic no. Five. Is that Enid Blyton? Yeah, was it the Fantastic Five? Was it the famous five? The famous five. Was it the famous five? Yeah, it was Fantastic Four, wasn't it? Yeah. That was uh, the road to victory. The <laughs> Yeah, famous five. Getting a peek behind the curtain at our yeah. strenuous efforts oh, to research every claim I we make. I can't believe you'd come for Megan Mogg like that. That's a very I, nice book. I didn't come for anyone. I was. You said that they were shit books. Everyone no, fill up to his DMs. I said. <laughs> you can tweet me <laughs> at John Twoots. <laughs> Fuck you. We 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 share her Twitter page. Um, you. I didn't say they were shit books. I just said it you sounds said that, you like. You literally just said I, play I, it back. I said it sounds like a shit book. <laughs> Because they have a cat called Cat, effectively. You just you've <laughs> been taught to argue by the internet. I can tell. <laughs> um, what were we saying? The Modcast. <laughs> um, no. Yeah, so he tweeted a link to it and um, captioned it. I can't remember specifically what this was in reference to, mm. but something about the EU. Uh, the French are always grumpy in October, he says. The anniversaries of Trafalgar and Agincourt upset them. It's like, imagine having that dandified, mm. like, view of, like, the real world yeah. in the year 2021. I mean, like, the idea that, like, every 
everyone in France is like a beret wearing like social historian who is like crying into their soup about like the Napoleonic Wars. The average like the average French person in 2021 is a Ghanaian woman. <laughs> Imagine thinking that like anyone gives a shit about yeah. like Agincourt yeah. and Trafalgar at this stage. It's the ultimate kind of like no one is more obsessed with Imperial British victories than Imperial Britain and it's a particular form of just brain rot in this country, the idea that like mm. the just the losers in those conflicts yeah. still all give like a shit about them when it comes mm. to other like European powers and yeah, it's like France doesn't care about mm. Like we've said, we've said a lot of stuff about France in previous episodes, and all mm. of it is deserved. But if there's one thing that you can say in their favour is that they just don't give a shit about the Napoleonic Wars in the way that this country does, yeah. because like this country's establishment are obsessed with the last point where it was like a military superpower, basically. Like, yeah, there's there's no trace of anything to do with Napoleon in like the kind of French Fifth Republic Constitution or anything. There's no there's no lineage with like modern French culture yeah. and and that sort of thing. And it's it's ironic as well because it's like what. Agincourt was two French kings going to war with each yeah. other. Like, Richard Lionheart, William the Conqueror, these are all French kings of England. Like, it was just a f- French yeah. infighting, basically. As well. yeah. It's just, yeah. It's one of these things as well where, like, it's all of this stuff. I feel like fucking Sebastian Maniscalco, whenever there's, like, yeah. whenever, like, Emmanuel Macron or whoever, like, come and visit Buckingham Palace and they dress up all of the soldiers who are, like, on parade in... Mm the, like, uniforms and chevrons of, like, the um, soldiers at Waterloo or whatever. It's, Mm. like, every single... They do shit like that in modern state visits, and every single time there's a fucking BBC article about it, being like, oh, is is actually a very clever reference to I'm like, aren't you embarrassed? (laughs) Aren't you just fucking embarrassed with yourselves? (laughs) Fuck's sake. Oh, man. Mog is as Mog does. Indeed. And, I mean, that is just my... um, um, probably some latent anti-English feeling that uh, mm. I've picked up off of Sally Rooney in the last couple yeah. of months gone uh, yeah. So, yeah it's a good thing that that's going to be um, criminalised soon yeah. any uh, no, anti-English sentiment private or public you'll you will know Sahir that for a very long time I've wanted nothing more than for uh, anti-monarchy feeling in this country to be criminalised because mm. I'm Need that going for me, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. <laughs> Need the added frisson of being a hardened criminal. Yeah. <sighs> Should we touch quickly on football? Yeah. I mean, sports in general are going pretty well. Arsenal, it's like, barreling up the Premier League. Yeah. Pakistan, like, leaving a bloody path <laughs> through the T20 World Cup. All it takes is for the uh, the Irish rugby union team to put away uh, Japan and the All Blacks in the coming couple of weeks in the yeah. Autumn Internationals, and then it'll have just been a perfect few months, which mm. is not going to happen. Ooh, the Autumn Internationals are here. Indeed. They always creep up on you. Yeah. There's always a point in, like, July where it's like, ah, there's no rugby, and then... <laughs> And then I'm very, you know it. I am very excited for it though. Mm. It'll yeah. be a good time. Okay. It's not a proper year if Ireland isn't wholly embarrassed by the All Blacks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when do England next play New Zealand? Oh, I don't know. Remember there was that whole phase where like everyone just really wanted England to face New Zealand. And yeah, then... it was like I think after Eddie Jones's first Six Nations, yeah. and it was convinced. I mean, it was it did look like the best team in the world at that stage, wasn't it? The was it was it the first match of the subsequent Six Nations where they were just randomly beaten by Ireland? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nothing more satisfying. Mm. As but yeah, how's uh, Pakistan doing in the cricket? Good, very good. Historic win over India. Mm. First 
World Cup win over India in 30 years and we crushed them. <laughs> Absolutely destroyed them. It was, emb- uh, it was embarrassing. It was yeah. <laughs> I really enjoyed how, was it, uh, was it over the last summer or early in the spring when there was uh, cricket being played up here uh, in Manchester during what was supposed to be like a warm spell and yeah. all of the uh, English players were out in their like t-shirts and mm. all of the Pakistan players were just wearing like heavy like Aaron sweaters and yeah. shit. And, like, <laughs> outstanding. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no. I mean, alongside that, you have um, all of the talk back and forth about um, call-ups to uh, the English football team. And mm. now, um, I, I think I'm right in saying that Saka has held his place. Ramsdale yeah, has Ramsdale's held his place. Yeah. Ramsdale's going to be England number one by the end mm. of the season, I reckon. Like, Pick, Pickford just doesn't do it at no. Everton. <laughs> and he's, I, a, he's a weird national hero, though, because he just somehow manages to turn it on for England. <laughs> he was a deeply entertaining sight at the Euros just yeah. constantly so upset at having to do his job yeah just keying Harry Maguire's car <laughs> at the end of each game and stuff <laughs> yeah there was a thing with Gareth Southgate explaining the omissions and stuff and it's like no manager's ever been asked to explain choices yeah. in that detail before I suppose it's just like a sign that there's just a good like kind of yeah. a really deep kind of reservoir of English talent at this yeah. point they do I mean yeah it's a team that has an unbelievable amount of attacking depth like, yeah it just it does surprise me a little bit that Ben White didn't get a call up mm. it's kind of his like his way of operating those to kind of like lean on experience mm. where I mean alongside like I mean Saka kind of yeah. had a good run in the Euros and stuff I like the idea that he might have watched some of our matches though and just have been fervently googling whether there was a way to register Gabriel for English citizenship yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't think that's happened before mm. like a, a player being naturalised and then playing for England mm. or no unless you count Declan Rice but he was kind of he kind of lived here most of his life so. yeah mm. that was very charged <laughs> I mean Jack Grealish as well is kind of I think yeah. he played for Ireland yeah. at youth level yeah we lose all of them because yeah. our team and FA are both shit but yeah. it's... it's it's funny who was it that Burnley player that declared for what was it uh, yeah um, Matty Cash of Aston Villa declaring for Poland wow <laughs> and you just kind of like go deep into the family tree and so it's like yeah, it's a weird one because yeah. it's like I mean, with Saka, he was almost he was very nearly called up by Nigeria, and I imagine there's just like a thing at the FA of just like let's let's yeah. like give all these like players call ups and then like kind of abandon them when they've like made one appearance and stuff. Yeah. But like with with Saka, it's stuck. But yeah, I imagine there's yeah there's just enough England players that they could kind of just yeah. play wherever. It's the same case with like uh, with France, and yeah. there's just a massive surplus of yeah, really God. talented yeah. international players who just. Yeah. But beyond the England national team, as made reference to before, Arsenal are heading in the right direction at the minute. Yeah. Not lost since... Did we... Since the last episode, was it? It's, it's like... We've not, to... lost, we've not lost since City. Yeah. So it's been like two months, yeah. Yeah. It just happens to coincide mm. in us no longer inviting our friends over to watch matches with yeah. us, which <laughs> is a direct causal link as yeah. far as I'm concerned. We've done the thing that always happens and become incredibly superstitious uh, about football in yeah. general and yeah it's the only way to be hmm. but I mean I I feel it feels like to be honest in 
there's ways in which the club manages its general like public presence and stuff that are ridiculous and very bad but i feel like there's been a bit of like a few months of quite good press for them in general down mm. to like things that will just be fan fight favorite moves like getting wilshire back in just for yeah. training and stuff like that it's like it's all of these things where they i feel like they or to a certain extent i guess genuinely the players themselves like have public presences that when events like that happen and you see mm. like an outpouring from like say like Zacker and Smith Rowe and other like young players out of Hairland saying like oh Wiltshire was the inspiration for yeah. us being able to do this you're like okay I you draw me back in god yeah. damn it yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hmm. How do, uh, what do you it's the question that was bandied back and forth a little bit um, I think in just with the last few weeks of successes um, what would you consider to be um, given where we are at the moment a successful season at the end of the season top six probably yeah it's progress like I mean I suppose technically anything above eighth but yeah I think we do need to get back into Europe and yeah but I, I think I don't I'm trying to like count the teams that I genuinely think are better than us and will have a better season mm. and I mean there's, I mean, Liverpool, City and Chelsea will be kind of far and away, and so that's kind yeah. of like, that's that. United, yeah, don't look like, no. don't look very scary at all. Um, Spurs, again, like, I mean, we just yeah. destroyed them, didn't we? Yeah. So, um, Leicester, I mean, well, West Ham is kind of a, a bit of an enigma, because yeah. it doesn't make sense, yeah. <laughs> any of that stuff. But I, I, mean, I mean, they've not Vi- got... Villa are tumbling down the fucking table. Yeah, that's right? the thing. I mean, they'll probably they'll probably recover it, but I doubt they'll have anything better than a mid-table finish. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, West Ham. I reckon the size of their squad just won't do for like a, a Europa League run. Yeah. So they'll. It looks like they might, fingers crossed, like tumble away as well. Yeah. Um, Leicester again, like we've beaten them away two times in a row, and yeah. they usually have a really strong start to the season, and I, I, it's kind of been there like the way it's been under Brendan Rodgers that they'll kind of peter off at the end of the yeah. season and if that pattern follows and they've not had the good start yeah and they, they rely on to... a, they rely on a very like set group of players without yeah. a great deal of depth and mm. like yeah so I I mean I do, I do think even like top four is on the cut I mean like we're yeah, we're, yeah we're, it's, it's possible it's yeah. very possible I mean you look at the table now mm. like I, I just think as well it's we've I've seen plenty of seasons in which we've had like we've had a strong start to the season and then you get to January and then injuries start taking their toll yeah. you start losing key players but considering we had like an abject beginning to the season mm. or what felt like that anyway um, you can mm. re-textual- recontextualize with kind of rose-tinted glasses afterwards um, yeah. but like had that start to the season and now seems to be coming into form like you understand that this is like it's the youngest side in the league and all that kind of stuff and so it'll probably be inconsistent with points but it's going to be a novel one, I think. And it feels a bit unnatural to be an Arsenal fan watching us start to hit our pace and really hit our stride going mm. into a new year. And, mm. like, it just feels like anything is possible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um... I was going to say something. I was going to say something. What was I going to say? What was I going to say? Oh, I'm not looking forward to the African Cup of Nations because we're mm. going to lose. We're going to lose Aubameyang. I'm going to lose Pepe. We're going to lose Aubameyang. But party as well. It's yeah. Gonna, but yeah, I mean, there's. A, I don't think it's entirely like. Um, it's within like the realm of possibility that we'll bring in a midfielder maybe in January yeah. to, for for cover, and I, I assume the intention is to eventually let El Neni go, and yeah. it would make sense long term to to make that change, even if it's initially just to cover yeah. that period. But 
it would it would serve us well. And I don't know if there's any like money left for it, but um, it's, it's yeah. It should. Is Aldeni the last player to score against Barcelona for us? Oh, I mean, for us specifically. Yeah. Oh, probably. Oh, oh. God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is he the... Hmm. I need to go back and look. We were, um... I mean, how many players are still there from Wenger's years? Oh, God. Okay, we've got Lacazette and Aubameyang. Yeah. Shaka. Shaka. Elneny. Elneny. Um... um... Holding Chambers, not many first team players for no. sure. Yeah, going through our first team: what, Ramsdale, no, Tierney, no, Ben White, no, Gabriel, no, Tomiyasu, no, Partey, no, Lukonga, no, <laughs> Saka, I suppose technically, yeah, though technically. He, wasn't, he hadn't made his debut at that stage. No. That was Emery, wasn't it? Smith Rowe had, I think. Smith Rowe, Maitland Niles. Maitland Niles, yeah, yeah, not very many first team players, but this is the segment of the podcast in which yeah. we list Arsenal players. Yeah, we're just, just listing some names now. Yeah. Um, there's Regis, there's uh, Sleep, <laughs> Sleepy, there's Darth Vader. There's, um, but yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I think, yeah, top six. Why top not? Six? I, get back into Europe, get a bit yeah. more money. Like, I mean, we've got a big enough squad that we would have been able to handle Europe this season, I reckon. So if mm-hmm. we can like, like get to that stage, then we'll kind of be... We won't have to do too much business, I don't reckon. Yeah. A few players coming back from loan that might be useful. Um, I, I mean, I wouldn't discount Gendouzi being like <laughs> reintegrated, yeah. although he's like he's kind know. of just a massive prick. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Marseille is like is a proper circus in a, in a good way for the most part because they're like a very entertaining team, yeah. and no, but he's just constantly like just. It's the fact yeah. that he seems to. Depending on how things are going around him, he seems to be somewhat detrimental to yeah. other players around him mm. in the dressing room. Where you're just yeah. like, we don't need that at the minute. That's the thing. Yeah, there's an option to buy for Marseille as well with him. So, and I, look, apparently the indication is that they're gonna they're gonna take that. So, okay. ten million, we'll make our money back on him. Ten million is kind of worth what, half a yeah half a Laconga. So, yeah. Yeah. and I mean, then Maybe you've got um, there's rumours that we might actually end up at some point allowing Saliba to play a game for us when he comes back from loan, yeah. which would be very exciting. That would be cool, yeah, because he definitely... I, I do, it does look like he'd be an upgrade on all of our backups to Gabriel and White. I, I imagine he's got a task on his hands to like break into the yeah. the team with, with those two there, but he'd be probably first choice alternative at this stage because, I mean, holding Chambers and Murray just didn't really do yeah. much to inspire anyone at the start of the season. I forgot about Pablo Murray. Yeah. But no, I feel like with uh, Saliba, if he like, if we do get back into Europe, he's going to be vital potentially. That's yeah. just depth in that position, and like he's mm. shown, he's having a good season mm. there. Like I, I know there's always like a little bit of a narrative one way or the other of like how bad a loan player is to come back and see him and stuff. But all of the indications at the moment are like he's to, down to the fact of like taking more English lessons. He's like mm. really, really up for like coming yeah. back and establishing himself. At the club. Yeah, I mean Gabriel was playing at. Uh, probably not even that level um, the season before he signed for us and yeah. was straight into the, the first team so it'd be because yeah. I mean it got to a point when they were looking for a loan club over the summer I was like he's just not going to play a game yeah. for Arsenal and it's sort of like well him not being either Arteta signing or even like this version of the executive teams yeah. signing like yeah maybe it's just like one of those things that you know, we'd get probably we'd recover probably most of our money from if we were to like yeah. move him on and stuff so but it looks like he might turn it around. It's open. I say turn it around. It's not had anything to do <laughs> to us that could then be turned around yeah. yet. But yeah, probably establishes yeah. himself. That's all. But yeah, top six. I reckon. Six. I reckon we're good value for that. Maybe yeah. even yeah. Maybe even top four. Though, like you, I wouldn't put any money on it for sure. No. Top six. Though, I reckon 
I would, I'd, I'd, I'd put, yeah, I'd bet on that. I, I'd, I would love this team to get top four. Yeah, I love just this, uh, just everything about like what would need to happen for that to take place, and then that being the team that goes in this Champions League. But that's the thing. Be... I mean, in large part, like with the exception of this current first team, like with the exception of Aubameyang and <clears throat> I mean Lacazette, I think is going to be off at the end of the season. But yeah. with the exception of like Aubameyang, uh, they're all going to get better. Yeah, and so you'd worry that like us going straight back into the Champions League from this point of like being now out of Europe would be maybe too much too soon. But yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah. anything's kind of possible. Like Ajax have a very similar kind of setup at this point yeah. with like focusing on kind of young players and kind of they're doing fairly well yeah. at this stage. So yeah, it looks, it looks positive. But we're, we're not talking about the headline though, which is Tottenham Hotspur. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Harry Kane being booed by Spurs fans. Yeah. Hook it to my yeah. veins. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, you have a, you, it's, Goodwill is like a bank account. You always have mm. more than you think. Oh, sorry, you always have less than you think. Yeah. <laughs> the thing, I think the, the popular perception of him is as England captain where like mm. he just doesn't really have to no. do much but will be the kind of like the darling of the British press's like entire... Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the, it's like, yeah like the BBC's coverage and stuff is always like centred around the England team really being a tool for his own like spiritual development and stuff yeah. and it was, but yeah, he's just, I mean, I've, I've said for a long while that like, I just genuinely think he's like one of the most like kind of arrogant and just outright dirty players yeah. across Europe generally. Yeah. And it's like, uh, uh, yeah, of course, a, a player in his exact position with his kind of like cultural presence would face no consequences yeah. for that sort of thing. But yeah, I mean, it was like, I just, I do wonder what <laughs> might have to happen for and it seems like maybe it'll happen to begin with with fans of Spurs themselves in terms of like how kind of far his stock is seemingly plummeting but like at what point is there going to be a general consensus that his thing of like taking players out in the air when they jump for the ball is Mm. endangering is like horrendous foul play I mean the point surely would be the point where it like paralyzes someone and even at that point there'd be a because there's always this thing about like there was that whole like narrative around when Aaron Ramsey had his leg broken by Shawcross yeah. yeah every every account of it was that Tony Pulis instructed his Stoke players to go out and just yeah physically harm Arsenal players yeah. and to the point where you can see photos of the, the incident and he's not yeah. even looking at the ball he's yeah. just going straight for his ankle yeah. and cracked it in half and then all the, the almost all the coverage was about how he was crying afterwards and how yeah. sad he felt about it and how he called his mum at half time to pick him up and stuff yeah. and it's like you, you get the exact same thing with Harry Kane because it would always be like well surely no professional player with a love for the game would wish this upon another uh, like a, a fellow professional yeah and it's of, just co- pure of course he does that he keeps on doing it time yeah. after time after time after time this yeah. thing that I know we talked about before and it's a bit of a cliche but it's fucking it's illegal in rugby it's yeah. taking someone out of the air is so horrendously dangerous yeah. that like in sports that are better regulated for that kind of contact understand mm. it to be just an immediate red card offence yeah. and he gets away with it again mm. and again and again yeah and it's just yeah it's conducting yourself with that level of like arrogance when you've also got no like absolutely no like kind of charisma to go with it and you kind of like look down on the the I mean it's Spurs so like we have no like we have no love for them really yeah. but like looking down on like the club and the fans that have made you rich and famous and who've adored you for while simultaneously managing to give your best years as, like, arguably England's 
like best attacking talent yeah. and not achieved anything at club, <laughs> club level. Oh, it's pretty sweet, isn't it? But yeah, it's just. Um, I mean, I do wonder what's going to happen in the summer with him. If he, I mean, he's got like two years left on his contract. Yeah, you do wonder. But. Dan Levy is the biggest bastard in sports and won't, won't let him go. And We're going to get... It's sad that they're not going to have the cameras in for another all or nothing because, like, mm. I imagine that'll just be a rerun of... You know, remember that bit where Danny Rose was told that he had an offer from Newcastle and not from Milan? Yeah. Uh, I think that'll just happen again. Mm. Oh, God, it was... Oh, I feel so bad for Danny Rose. Yeah. man who, like, publicly declares that he hates football and hates that he has to play it and stuff. It's just... Yeah. It sucks. Because it's like, yeah, I mean... There probably was an offer from Milan that Dan Levy probably kept <laughs> secret. Yeah. Because they went for Ashley Young shortly after that. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? But yeah. Um, yeah, Harry Kane. We, we... We hardly knew you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a, oh, no, it's, it, it's fun. I mean, like, he's choosing to play poorly yeah. because he feels like he doesn't... He, yeah. He that playing better. football well for Spurs is beneath <laughs> him. Um and also kind of wondering why him having his contract negotiated by his brother with Dan Levy, again, the biggest bastard in sports, yep. hasn't produced anything like yeah. a yeah, magical transfer to Real Madrid or Man City. It's funny as well, it's just like, is it, yeah, the other week where he was dominated by Lucas Fabianski in goal <laughs> for West Ham while City scored four goals against Brighton with no striker. <laughs> <laughs> it's just poetry, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would like another All or Nothing. I mean, we've got an All or Nothing documentary coming for Arsenal, I'm which is... very concerned be, about yeah. that. I mean, it's kind of a bit... It's like a perfect narrative, like, mm. redemption that we've got brewing now. Because mm. it's going to start with footage of Bukayo Saka missing that penalty in the in the final yeah. of the Euros, isn't it? Yeah. And it's just going to be like, oh, yeah, we get tonked by Brentford and Chelsea and City. But then... Yeah. But then the glorious, the, yeah, the glorious return like Phoenix from the ashes. Yeah. <laughs> Look to the east. <laughs> God, I hope so. <laughs> but um, I would like another Spurs or nothing, mm. and just like kind of. I would. I. I don't, I'll pay whatever subscription is needed to yeah. get a just live stream feed into that dressing room for mm. the purposes of all of their hijinks and. Yeah. Awful, awful banter back and forth with one another. Yeah. I want to hear more stories about how Deli Ali microwaves baked beans. Oh. Hell. I mean, it's funny the the stuff around Deli Ali is like when will he rekindle his like like the, the magic that yeah. didn't bring Spurs any success uh, in no this is his level his level yeah. is that of an average player yeah. an average club like he might have had a couple of good seasons under a far better coach than he's been than he's worked with yeah. since but this is his level now yeah. that's all the evidence points to that and yeah I mean yeah I just I think uh, yeah. A documentary of the short-lived, like Nuno tenure would have been, would have been <laughs> oh really God, good. Yeah. Just to see what Harry Kane's presence in the dressing room is like now, because they were constantly trying to force this, this, yeah, this almost like kind of wartime, like mm. thing of him like kind of geeing up the troops before yeah. they went out to like eke out a three-two win over yeah. Watford away and stuff and. I wonder how instructive it was for him that, like, because the thing has always been that, oh, Harry's a great captain because he leads by example and he puts mm -hmm. in loads of work across the pitch. Last time I remember seeing him doing that was when he accidentally gave up the ball and then failed to tackle Bukayo Saka uh, for his goal against yeah. them. And well, so, like, I just wonder whether that was the point in his head where he was like, I'm going to stop this now. Like, yeah. <laughs> just. Uh, well, I'm Harry Kane. <laughs> 
<laughs> Do not go gentle into that. <laughs> go fuck yourself. <laughs> into that final year of your contract. <laughs> Rage against the dying of transfer talk through Manchester City. <laughs> I hate that film. <laughs> I'll be burning it if it's last thing yeah. <laughs> What did Dylan Thomas say about death? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's Harry Kane. Yeah. Shall we make our Shall we make our closing remarks? We we could. Have you had a good time today? I have had a good time. It's been nice just to chat. Yeah, it's it's funny. It's like as 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 much as I feel guilty for not doing an episode, I do kind of feel like I mean, no one gives a shit about this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind yeah. of just like yeah, we're just assigning homework to our friends. Really, it's like you remember Pretty that much. scene in what we do in the shadows where they they get the humans over for day after day Buschetti and um, yeah. it's just Viago in the corner like with that fixed murderous grin on his face while he's cranking a gramophone yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's my role at this point <laughs> it's just like <laughs> well as long as we have fun yeah but yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's all been enjoyable have you yeah. enjoyed yourself? I I don't know <laughs> well um, I'll think about it and I'll let you guys know on the, the next episode wow uh, it's yeah no it's been fun it's just been why are you looking at me like that <laughs> <laughs> reaching for the gramophone does uh, that jazz honking will be the last honking yeah. you ever hear me yeah we do uh, any any closing remarks <laughs> as always yeah so yeah we'll be we'll be back in mm-hmm. the coming weeks hopefully back to like a normal schedule yeah. gonna try and get this out for Friday the time is currently 22.02 on Thursday the 4th of November yes why did I <laughs> why did I say that I don't know why did I think that was necessary same <laughs> you briefly became a public service announcement just yeah. for bing bong <laughs> you gave, there's, there's, there's a wire into his head that occasionally picks up that <laughs> telephone line you can call to find out what time it is <laughs> what number is that I don't know okay it's funny the idea of doing that on an iPhone <laughs> <laughs> Just flying through the unlock screen with face ID so you can get to the phone app. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do next. I'm going to order some Chinese food and to call that number and keep asking what time it is. Can you ask what time it is in different time zones? Uh, I don't think so. Only in this country. Oh, okay, this is probably it's, different. Because it's always only it's the time where you are is uh, at the fifth tone. The time where you yeah. are will be whatever. Okay. I love the idea that somebody needs to know to the second yeah. what the time is yeah. and that they haven't found a better way to do that than to call someone. Well, <laughs> Maybe even wait in a queue. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're like do the getaway driver for a, a bank robbery and stuff and you just like, <laughs> your watch is broken and you've got like an old phone where like the part that shows the time is all scratched up and stuff <laughs> and so you've got no option, you're sweating. Yeah. <laughs> but enough about our plans for the for later on today. Mm-hmm. I think for, I, for Guy Fawkes. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, boy. Yeah, it's the way we're funding the equipment for this is to like help <laughs> our friends who need getaway drivers for for robberies. <laughs> I like that idea that that'll come through as like it's the way we're getting funds for our equipment for. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> redacted. <laughs> uh, have we touched on everything? I feel like we might. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, we've touched. Uh, we 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 yeah we get on everything. <laughs> Boop ah. So this has been a yeah a pointless shapeless bumper. I mean, well, it's been a good episode. Yeah, we've said some things. Some things will be said again in future. Yeah, what else can you ask for? Yeah, we're back. We're back with um, biographical episodes. 
some historical episodes. Yeah. We might do a radio play. <laughs> we'll that will be a dance more. episode. John will have some more jazz honking. I will indeed. I'll try and work on some cool mouth tricks too. <laughs> wow. And then we'll also... Do... <laughs> um, I feel like there's something that remains undone. Uh, have we... Loosening of the podcast's great corset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've let our hair down today. Yes. We've, um, and in, yeah. I think in the spirit of that, I'm with a slightly more relaxed energy than usual going to say, good night, everybody. Yeah, good night.